Amen and amen. I'm so excited that you're here. Excited if you're watching online with us today. And um, like I said, I, I just hope that as we start this series, change. I titled it, by the way, after talking to our um, staff and we prayed through it. We titled it, I Want to Change, So Help Me God. And I feel like almost all of us can find ourselves in this category. And so um, this particular message, I had trouble with the first service a little bit at a time getting them to talk to me because they were more looking at me like this. So I'm going to beg y'all to talk back to me and not leave me up here by myself. But I understand that part of it, y'all might not want to, so I'll just keep asking and eventually y'all will cooperate and participate in the in the events of today. But how many of y'all could agree you would love for God to change you in the way that he's built you to be? Come on. How many of y'all would agree with that? Like, I think all of us find ourselves in this, in this position that are followers of Jesus. And if you're not, uh, this message is really for you. But for everybody involved, we find ourselves saying, like, I'd love to become what God wants me to become, but I'm frustrated because it doesn't feel like I can ever get to that point. So I'm just going to give you some of my story. And this isn't necessarily my full story. This is kind of where I'm at right now, what I'm realizing. Because I'm having these aha moments with the Lord recently, and sometimes I'm supposed to keep them to myself, and I know when those are, but this isn't one of those. This is, I'm supposed to share it. I'm supposed to let this out. I'm supposed to let y'all in, in my living room, if you will, and let y'all know what it feels like and looks like and sounds like. And So this is the truth. I grew up in church, like all the time, forever, I grew up. Before I was born, on Tuesday night visitation, come on, if you remember that, say yes. Uh, I mean, I did everything. Wednesday night, Sunday night, church, 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 church. And I'm thankful in a lot of ways, and most ways, I'm thankful for my upbringing and the fact that that's true and that I had a great understanding of the Bible. The part that I'm still overcoming. So I think a lot of times I think I'm farther along than I am and I have to get smacked in the face with reality sometimes. And think, I, oh, I, I thought I had gotten that, but <laughs> we, still, we still got, the struggle bus is still hitting us in that particular area. I think the biggest struggle that I've got, and I'm just learning this about me, is that I've really appreciated and loved some of the changes that God has made, let's say over the last decade in my life. But the more I fall in love with change, the less I realize who changed me in the first place. The more I'm trying to to reach an outcome, a destiny, a thing, or whatever it is in my life, I can get blinded to the reality of who, who's doing the changing in the first place. Therefore, listen carefully, becoming more and more religious and less and less kingdom-minded or Jesus-first-minded. It's so easy for me to start looking out going, you know, I'm doing this, you should be doing this. I, I, I've done enough. God, look, and then I create this dichotomy, this, this, this lifestyle of trying to bring all my treasures to the Lord of what I'm doing as if God is up there taking score going, now, nah, Kendrick, you out. You ain't done enough. Because I've been keeping this list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice, right? <laughs> and you ain't adding up. Now, if, if you don't struggle with this at all, I'm super grateful for you, and I think you're awesome, and maybe next, week, next week's message can help you a little better. But for everybody in the room that finds themselves looking in the mirror from time to time going, what the poop did I just do? Like, I'm an idiot. Why would I ever do that? And this is, 
this is the harsh truth. This is where we're going to get to today. So I'll get you to the end, and then we'll start back at the beginning. The end is, if I were to tell you my thought life alone, everybody in here should want to fire me. I'm for real. I mean, it's jacked up. And I think to myself, what in the world is wrong with me? I'm a pastor who deeply loves the Lord, and yet I have these thoughts come through my mind, and I think, that ain't supposed to be in there. So, so the, the immediate response to that is, I'm going to say it. I'm going to change. And we set out on these things. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm not going to do this anymore. Matter of fact, you probably have things in your life that either your parents did, that you hated, and you said you'd never do. And we make these vows, right? I'm never going to be fill in the blank. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here or am I by myself? And lo and behold, we find ourselves doing the exact stinking thing that we said we'd never do. And we get mad and we get frustrated and we look up and go, hang on, God. I, I really do believe in Jesus. And I wanted to change. And I thought you was going to help. But I find myself worse off in some ways, than I ever found myself in the first place. What's wrong with me? So in this series, I can't wait to, to deal with some principles about how we change and what God's going to do to change. But, but as I was praying through this, I know for sure he said, well, we're not going to start there. We're going to start here. Someone say, follow first. Follow say it loud. Say, follow first. And what I really titled this is the relation invitation. This is an invitation into a relationship, not a change. Hear me. It's an invitation into a relationship with Jesus, not a change. And you're like, I did that when I was 15. I did that when I was 10. I did that when I was 6. But, but this is the reality that I'm learning. When I have a, a wrong view of God or a wrong view of me or a wrong view of what this is all about, then I find myself knowing that's true and just not living it out or knowing that's true and fighting against it because I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's enough. I think it should, should, it should require more. Why? Because this is how we treat each other. You can be in relationship with me as long as, and then we make blanks that we have to fill in. We have to meet a certain standard. We have to meet a certain criteria. So y'all watch this. I don't care if this is what you want to believe. I'm telling you the vast majority of Jesus followers say this. You are really a Christ follower if you, boom, 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 and we say all this. Now, there is a requirement, and there are certain things, and I'm going to talk through them today. But, but what I'm talking about is the things we add to what Jesus did. And then, I would say just as importantly as anything, I think the hardest thing not to do is to begin to compare myself with you. Or anybody else saying, I, I'm doing this, I, you should be. Why can you not meet my standard? And here's the beauty of what God's really about. He, didn't, he doesn't really care about my standards. He's not really interested. As a matter of fact, I've never had God come to me in that still small voice and say, Mark, I'm just going to check with you what do you think. What do you think we should do here? <laughs> never had it happen. I'm doubting very serious it'll ever happen. What I have had is conviction of the Holy Spirit telling me, dude, you're looking at this all wrong. God may not say dude to you, but he does to me, so just live with him. <laughs> you're looking at this wrong, man. You're looking at this all wrong. And you focus so much of your energy on what you hope to be 
And a lot of times it comes from a pure place. Listen to me. Some of y'all feel like I have where I know what destiny has been spoken into me and prophesied over me. And I'm saying, God, I want to get to this point. But that doesn't work because we end up jacked up and on the street or on the side or in a ditch. And we go, how did I end up here? I was a good person. Look at my face. No, we're not. That's part of the problem. And see, when I see things from the wrong perspective with the wrong lens, then I'll hope that I can change. I'll get mad at you for not changing, and I'll miss the whole point altogether, which reminds me of a story in the New Testament, specifically in the book of Matthew. And I think this one's cool because it's Matthew, who was one of the 12 disciples, talking about himself, which I think is funny. Imagine writing one of the 66 books in the Bible, and you got to add you in there. How would you write it? I've always been so intrigued by that. The Holy Spirit's inspired me to write this, but i got to now talk about my experience to follow Jesus. Because this is a relationship to follow, but it's hard for us Americans, our education system, everything that we know not to add things to what Jesus did. But watch this. In Matthew chapter 9, and starting in verse 9, it says, as Jesus passed from there, from where he was going, he saw a man called, everybody say it? He saw Matthew. So, so it's almost like he should say he saw a man called me. <laughs> it's funny, I like it. He saw me sitting there at the tax booth. Pause. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because I have before. If you're new, you can go back, I guess, and watch something else. But tax collectors were maybe the highest villains in the land. Why? Because they were Jews just like these people. They were God's people. They were in Israel, and they were their own people. Yet they were working for Rome. They were taking up Roman taxes. And if that was all they did, they wouldn't be hated. But what they did was they skimmed off the top. They were, it, it, let's just say it was 10% that they had to take up for Caesar. They could take as much as they could, and they got to keep it for themselves. Well, if you took 11%, that's your salary. I don't think anybody would scoff at that. But when they were taking upwards of 30% and keeping 20 for themselves, people hated them. But watch this. If you tried to fight them, the Roman soldiers would come arrest your tail. And they might get slapped on the wrist. That's too much. Let's back down a little bit. But they weren't going to get in trouble. And so stealing from their own people was why they were hated so much. Listen, you wouldn't talk to these people. You wouldn't associate. There is no way you would have any form of relationship with these people whatsoever. And yet, Jesus saw me, a man called Matthew, sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, now catch this, follow me. This is so, so in intriguing to me. He said, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Stop. Hang on a second. Are you leaving stuff out, Matthew? Like, it feels like this is what should have happened. Y'all just role play with me for a second. It feels like Jesus should have come up to, Travis, you're going to be Matthew for a second. It feels like Jesus should have come up to Matthew and said, look here, what you're doing is terrible. I mean, you're awful. I need you to feel the awfulness of what you're doing. Are y'all with me? Come on. So if you'll feel bad and you'll jump on one leg and you'll spin around and you'll touch your nose and you'll sound good, oh, you got to change how you dress. Oh, you got to change how you look. Oh, you got to change who you're hanging out with. Oh, you got to change. Oh, you got to change. Oh, you got to change. Come on, somebody. Y'all better talk to me in here. I ain't the only one who thinks this way. Y'all better talk back. He said this. And Jesus did a drive-by now. He's gangster. Matthew, follow me. Bam. You know he was strutting, right? Why? Why? Because Jesus wasn't into all the extra. Jesus was into one thing. 
I think you'll follow me because you know you and you know what I'm offering you just by looking at you and offering you this chance. So why don't you come? What happened? He came. You know good and well what Matthew was thinking. You picked the wrong cat. I'm not, I'm not the spiritual one. I'm not the good one. I'm not the one that's memorized the Bible. I'm stealing from them cats. I'm bad. I know it. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm awful. You can't be wanting a relationship with me, Jesus. You picked the wrong dude. Look at my face. He didn't mess up. And Jesus reclined. Someone say reclined. We're going to hit that for a second. Jesus reclined at the table in his house. Many. Everybody say many. Many. That implies exactly what you think it means. All of them started showing up. Someone say all of them. All of them started showing up from everywhere. It doesn't say that all the other people started reclining with them. Those people come on the scene in verse 11. But it says all those gangsters, all those bad people, all those people that we got to keep away because we don't feel safe. We don't want them around. They all started coming in and hanging out too. And it says they were, say this word, reclining with Jesus as well and his disciples. And when the religious people, when the Pharisees saw this, they looked and said, oh, Oh, so this is who you hang out with. And they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with sinners and tax collectors? Y'all give me a second. I'm going to explain to you reclining in a minute. But it says when Jesus heard this, he said this to the Pharisees. Those who are well don't need a doctor, a physician. But the sick ones, those who are sick. He said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and sacrifice, for I, do, I didn't come, for I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinners. Now, now y'all got to get this. This is really cool. Recline in this context, and, and, and it says he reclined at the table. Recline in this context does not imply what maybe you and I think of, because if y'all have a recliner, right, you think about watching a movie. Now, this, this is going to blow your mind how smart I am. They didn't have TV. <laughs> Y'all are going to leave and go, my God, Mark taught me so much today. <laughs> so when, when you reclined, I should get my daughter up here, wife, say hi. When you reclined, you had to be hiney to hiney, sitting on the floor. And you literally laid back with their mind on their money. In their <laughs> All y'all sinners. Everybody that laughed is a sinner. Rolling down the street. <laughs> Sinners, everybody knows it. Recline literally meant that you lean back against someone else. And so all around the table. The Lord's Supper is real cute, how they have it pictured in the painting. That ain't how it looked. They were back to back. Because why? They didn't have chairs. And so if you're going to sit somewhere for a long time, it gets uncomfortable if you don't have a wall to sit against or whatever. So they lean against each other. Which implies it's so interesting because you, you weren't going to recline for two minutes. And, and by the way, this is another thought. You could ask someone to follow you, but you're just watching how I do it. But I don't, I don't want to sit down with you. I'm going to my house and I'm, I'm, I'm high and lifted up because I'm awesome. I'm Jesus. Hello. But he got down with them in the dirt. I mean, they literally sat in the dirt. And they would spread out this, this leather mat, which I think is really cool from a picture perspective. You know, Psalm 23, verse 5, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
And in that case, one would think that the tax collectors were the enemies, but the presence of the enemies were the Pharisees all around them. It's the religious mindsets that becomes the enemy of God. Because the Bible says, my sin has enmity with God, which literally means makes me an enemy of God. But it's my religiousness that oftentimes puts me in rebellion against and pushing against his plan for my life because I can't see him for my goodness. I've said this before. I'm going to repeat it today. I'm learning more and more that it's the good things that I do that I need to ask the Lord for forgiveness just as much as the bad ones because I get pious. I get prideful. I let things rise up in my heart. And pride is the enemy of everything. Like Pride is what kicks Satan out of heaven. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. I'm guaranteed to fall when pride begins to creep in. And it's hard for me. It might not be hard for y'all, but it's hard for me not to lose myself and lose my mindset because I think I've done something for God. I do it all the time. It frustrates the hound out of me. But what I'm so intrigued with was Jesus didn't give any rats behinds Not one care for what those religious people thought about him. And the only people Jesus would rebuke were them. If you just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was rebuking those cats, not all the bad people. And we spend most of our energy telling them how awful they are. Not realizing how deeply I need the physician in my life. It's all the time with me. It frustrates me. Oh my goodness, y'all. Because, y'all look at this, religious mindset says I need to change so I can. And then we start naming all the things that we want to do. And y'all, desires aren't bad. God built us with destiny in us because it's part of our gift. But, but I need y'all to hear this. I didn't think this in the first one, but just down there while I was singing, I, I picked this microphone up to come on the stage and I thought, this isn't Mark. Do y'all understand that? I'm gifted. And God puts gifts in each one of us. But if I find my identity in this, then what I hope I can change for is so you'll think I'm better at this. Having nothing to do with my relationship that, that, that I've become the, the bride of Jesus with all of you as the body of Christ. And that, that I want to grow in my love relationship with him. But that's, that's not even in the ballpark of my prayer time. It's not even the, in the mindset of my life. I don't care about that stuff. I need to change so I can accomplish all that I want. And my motivations are scary sometimes because I realize that the only reason I want God to change me is so I can fulfill everything that I want to do. But a kingdom mindset says, I need Jesus because I'm sick and he'll change me. Y'all look at this. I'm in the most danger. I'm, I'm serious. Mark, if this doesn't apply to you, then don't write it down and don't remember it. But I'm in the most danger in my life when I feel good. Someone say feel good. When I feel, oh, I'm doing good about what I'm doing and what I'm beginning to do and all this, I start, say this out loud, I start to trust me. I start to trust Mark. And that's the stupidest thing that Mark Pangle could do. Why? Because I'm not trustworthy. He said, oh, okay, so we shouldn't listen to you. You shouldn't listen to me if I'm doing this on my own. Oh, no, I've deceived the mess out of everybody. Why? Because if the only thing I'm trying to do is build a big church, because listen, that's not to imply that I don't believe that God's called us 
to reach the least lost and lonely by the thousands. But if I start measuring myself based on how much I've done, then I'll start feeling good. And I'll start trusting myself. And I'll start finding these patterns that I talked about to start with. And I'll get frustrated because I don't understand how I'm sinking into these certain things. But Jeremiah 17, this is chapter 17, sorry I didn't put it. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Whose heart? Everybody's. Heart is deceitful. My, my, my emotional side, the things that I desire, and if I begin to trust the thing that's deceitful above everything else, and it's desperately sick. Remember who Jesus said he came for? I didn't come for the healthy, but the... I didn't come for the healthy, but the sick. It's when I realize the sickness that I realize my need for the physician to come in and help me. But when I feel like I'm healthy... Because I'll say that. I've literally said, I'm really healthy right now. Well, why are you healthy? Because I know I'm sick, but the Savior has come in and helped me. And when did he help me? Just the day I got saved? No, today. Today I desperately need him. Why? Because I'm this far, I'm this close. At any moment, I can shift back to old Mark when I feel comfortable being me. And I believe God wants you to learn how to be you in your own skin. I believe in all of that, and I'm going to go through it. But I believe if we don't get this, we'll mess this up big time. Because we've asked questions like this. How could those godly people end up doing such ungodly things? As if, like, what is that? You know what I mean? Why do we put them on pedestals? Now listen, I'm going to be held accountable. I don't want y'all to, I'm not making light of this. I'm going to be, the Bible says, I will be held accountable for all my actions, including how I pastor this church. And so I'm not giving myself a pass to just go do whatever I want. That is not what this is about. What this is about is when I begin to trust that I won't do those things because I'm good. I've gone far enough with you, God. I've changed. You've changed me over the years. Now I'm comfortable. Who can understand it? Another translation says, who can trust it? No one should. And so so when I find these patterns start repeating in my life and I get frustrated, why am I doing these things? I don't want to do these things. Why am I doing these things? I don't want to do these things. Why? I shouldn't be surprised. I should call it what it is. Oh, I started trusting me. Proverbs 4, 32, above all else, guard your heart because out of it is where life flows. What does it look like to not guard your heart? To let garbage come in and not have any focus whatsoever on what's coming in. Which is what I find myself doing all the time when I'm not looking at Jesus. And it's a pattern, and it's frustrating. Because the whole idea between, behind the relation invitation is I start making these lists of everything that I've done. And when I bring stuff to the table to God, what I'm asking him to do is all these things, all these things, all these things. And it's interesting that Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Stop worrying about the things and get back to the relationship. Mark, that doesn't fix me. God is not into a fix. He's into you. And if all I focus on is what I hope he'll fix in me, I don't remember that I was dead and became alive in him, and now he takes the broken and makes it alive. He, takes, he, puts, he puts gardens in graves. He, he literally shifts my focus around. But I can't do it. Y'all, I'm telling you, not, not I probably won't. I will not do it as long as my mindset is backwards. 
Because what I've learned in my life, y'all better talk back to me because I'm about to metaphorically, spiritually expose my life to y'all. And I don't want to be up here naked and ashamed by myself. Come on, somebody. But I, I, I just admitted this to one of my best friends. On Thursday, we were talking and we were just going through our lives. And he's a pastor as well. And I wasn't even planning on saying this. I've never said this to even Leah. And I tell Leah everything. And I said, you know, I've just learned this about me and I don't like this. I thought things were going to go a certain way a couple years ago. And all of a sudden, they just took a 180, and it was a mess. And then difficult things started coming in my life. And this isn't the world's smallest violin, so I'm not trying to make y'all feel sorry for me. I'm just letting y'all in. I, I was accident-free. No accidents in my life. And in the last two years, counting sport utility vehicles and other things, I've had five. And I told y'all a few months ago, it might not have been that long. I told y'all recently about our financial stuff and how thousands of dollars were stolen from us and then we saw a bunch of stuff go downhill. And part of my problem with my mindset issue was because I was faithful and I sowed seed and I did what I deemed the right thing because I felt like the Lord led me, I put an expectation on him that he had to meet. Because no part of me, when it wasn't being met, thought to myself, you're just trying to grow my relationship with you because there's something that's gone stagnant. What I thought is, and I never expressed this out loud. Matter of fact, I would probably have argued with you this is not how I felt. And I don't like this. Matter of fact, if you don't come back because your pastor is saying this, I don't blame you. I'm for real. Because it's, it's a little bit embarrassing. It's just true. What I've learned that I was beginning to let creep into my life is a lack of trust in certain areas of my life to the Lord. Now hear me, to be saved, you put your trust in Jesus. But what I had done is begin to pull it back and say, I want to trust you, but I don't. Now I'm going to meddle a little bit. If you got daddy issues in the room, you'll have God issues oftentimes because you bring that mindset to the table. My dad walked out on me when I was five years old. This is not my story. My dad walked out on me when I was five years old, so I'm expecting God to walk out on me. That's what we do. And so we take all these things and then difficulties and then trouble. And everybody, I don't care if you skated through 2020 without COVID and you skated through up till this point without COVID. Our lives changed and, and, and we all thought, God, you should take this away. And while I believe in the God of miracles, and that he absolutely is still doing them. Sometimes he doesn't remove them so that I can remember that it's the relationship invitation that he's interested in in the first place, and that when I try to keep up with all the rules and make sure that I'm good enough, because I want to accomplish this, so in order to do so, I have to, and I begin to measure myself with you and measure myself with other people, and then all of a sudden, when I start feeling good about what I'm doing, I get angry at you because you're not doing enough, Ashley. You're not doing enough, Logan. You're not doing enough, Brandon. And I feel like if I could just get you to understand and shake you and maybe you do what I want you to do. And then because we're human, and then because we're human, we all find ourselves in a couple categories. 
because we want to feel good. Someone say feel good. Because what I was actually telling God is, God, I don't feel good. Because I'm very self-motivated. If you know me, you know this. If you don't, I'm telling you. I mean, like fire burning in my belly. No one had to ask for it. I'm ready to run through a wall. Go take hell on with a, with a water pistol is what everybody used to say. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm ready. And yet, I found that sinking down. So what I was asking God is, I want you to make me feel happy. I want to feel giddy. I want to find that motivation again. And I wasn't really focused on my relationship with him. I was focused on how I felt. And whenever something feels broken inside of you, now, if you don't believe in Jesus, you can look this up. This is scientific fact. This is how we operate. Everybody who's experienced loss in their life responds certain ways. And we either respond with addictive behaviors to try to cope with it, to try to numb the pain. And so if you find yourself on one side of that, what, what I'd call a spectrum, then we numb ourselves. And, and, and by the way, what that means is we become the exact thing that we said we'd never do. Because I'm never going to do what my daddy did or my mama did or, or my cousin did or what, what the people that hurt me did. But then we do the things that we said we'd never do. And it's because it's the only thing that we can feel numbness over. Or we're a replacement person because that's a different part of your personality. What does replacement mean? I, I call it like the rebound girlfriend, the rebound boyfriend, right? It's the thing that I, I, I was really motivated to do that, but now I got to do the next thing. I got to do the next thing. It's literally, this is, this is what we do. Can I meddle a little bit? Y'all say yes? yes? I got your permission. That's why we can't get people to commit to serving here. Because you liked it for two months, and then all of a sudden it became boring because it wasn't sexy anymore. I'm not mad at you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I'm telling you I've exposed my life to y'all. So I'm telling y'all the truth. This is, why, this is why it runs out. It's not fun anymore to serve in hospitality. That's boring now. It's not fun anymore to serve in the kids. It's boring now. I want something more exciting. I want to go find a thing that I can get behind and feel good about. But that thing is going to get old again. And that next thing's going to get old. And that next thing's going to get old. Why? Because it's a relationship issue, not a you issue. And if all I ever do is want to feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good, because y'all, let's just put it on the table, we want to feel good. But sometimes life sucks, and it don't feel good, and we don't know what to do. Because I find myself looking around going, Jesus, let me just explain to you all the reasons that you shouldn't want me to follow you. It's hilarious. We forget all about what Jesus was about. Jesus did not put any prerequisites on Matthew whatsoever except for this. Will you come? Because if you do, it, you'll change as a result. And we tell everybody we come in contact with, if you'll change, you can come. That is not the Bible. We are preaching a false message. And I'm living a false life if I do that. And all the time we throw out these words like, I don't want to do this because those people are hypocrites. But the reality is I could not be a bigger hypocrite if I do that. And I'm not proud of the fact that I've had trust issues. But I'm honest enough to at least throw it out before you and say, nope, that's, that's just real. And the moment I start feeling good is the moment I'm in the most danger. Because I start saying, I got this. Please look at my face. If you don't remember anything else I said. Do not ever say to yourself, I got this, because you are lying to yourself. You know, we don't need the devil to hurt us. We will hurt ourselves. We will self-sabotage better than anybody else ever thought about doing it, because the moment that I trust me, 
is the moment that I have self-sabotaged myself into screwing it up. So this is what I thought I would do. I'm done, except for I want to give y'all four little simple things to take home, and I'm not preaching them. I'm not going into great detail with these. But I want to show you why our mindsets are wrong and then finish with the good stuff. So just four simple things. This is the relation invitation idea. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify me. It actually is a requirement. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Hey, the only people that couldn't come are the people that didn't think they needed to. The people that argued with Jesus, the people that said, I'm doing good, why don't you pick me on the first pick of the draft? Jesus wasn't interested in your degree. He wasn't interested in your pedigree. He wasn't interested in your background. He said, do you know that you're dirty? Because if you know, now you can come. It was the sick people in the center. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost when he had his encounter with Zacchaeus. He was not interested in how many degrees I get in the Bible. By the way, no matter how much I know about him, I don't know as much as he does. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? So whenever I tell him, God, I've memorized 175 verses. Look what I did. He's not up there going, man, you're awesome, Mark. He just wants me to love him back. This does not disqualify me. It's a requirement. Man, I could really get stuck here, so let me for a second. Jesus made man out of breathing into something. Someone tell me what it was. Dirt, dust. So if Jesus breathed into dirt and made Adam, which means man from the dirt, dirt man, it does look it up. then why would I think that God scared of my dirt if he blew into dirt and made man? I think of uh, Matthew 30, 13, 44. The kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. And with joy, the man left, sold everything he had to buy the field. If that's the principle that Jesus taught, then why would I think that even though every one of us hopefully know that there's a great gift and a treasure inside of us, that there's not a lot of dirt you got to dig through to get there? The one person that's not scared of your dirt is the one person that we run from, like Adam and Eve, trying to hide with the fig leaves. we got to stop hiding and start coming to Jesus. And that means with each other too, by the way. I don't have time to break that down too much, but I just want to tell you when we lie about what we're struggling in, all it does is encourages the enemy to go a little deeper. Your strongholds get stronger when you lie about what they are. And I'm not saying we should celebrate them. I'm saying we got to have a few people that we can be real with. Also, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify me unless I die. I'm for real. Because the only way, the only reason, y'all better listen to my face right now. The only reason people go to hell are because they don't believe. But it's possible to not believe today and believe eventually. So if you came in here today as an unbeliever, you're not disqualified from a relationship with him. You've just got to come and begin to believe. Look at this. John 7, 5 says even Jesus' own brothers did not believe in him. Even his brothers believed not in him for not let me try it one more time for not even his brothers can y'all believe that here's what's good and I got to keep going it didn't stay there this is why this is the principle his brothers didn't believe for a while and imagine being the brother of the Messiah how hard that would have been because if you were like me I got I'd love a dollar for every spanking I got growing up I'd be rich because I invented ways to get spankings 
We didn't do timeout when I grew up. Timeout was my hind end getting red. Right? Jesus ain't had a spanking yet. Why? He's perfect. So you over there getting spankings, you looking at him and say, I wish you'd say something because I'm tired of you not getting any spankings. <laughs> then y'all are at the Sea of Galilee, which is the lake, big lake. That's where they live. And you're having a lake day with the family, and you're over there swimming with your brothers. And you look over, Jesus just walking on the water. <laughs> Jesus, quit showing off. We're playing. Y'all are fighting with your brothers. Peace, be still. Everything stops. Like, what is that, Jesus? Stop playing. It would be awful. And yet, yet, if you read Scripture and you read Paul's letters, he references James, the brother of Jesus, as the pastor in Jerusalem. And the faith that he had was unbelievable. And it's because they saw the resurrected Jesus and they put their faith and trust in him. And then I love the beginning of the book of James, who's the brother of Jesus. So, by the way, he went from an unbeliever to writing one of the last books in the Bible. And it, and it starts, y'all look it up, James 1.1, James the bondservant of God in the Lord Jesus. He went from, I don't believe, I know he's my brother and he's perfect, but that, that's the issue with us, by the way, is we can have information. I know he's Jesus. Do y'all understand that he knew his brother was Jesus because he called him Jesus his whole life? Right? I know that's dumb, but it's real. But he didn't trust him. He didn't put his faith in him until he saw him resurrected. And he said, oh, you actually did everything that you said you were going to do. The word servant there, by the way, I think this is so cool. Some translations say slave, but it's a terrible word for it because a slave doesn't have a choice. Y'all understand that? A slave, is, a slave is purchased and then forced into. The word bond servant means I did have a choice. Listen to this word. It's literally from the Greek definition. I think this is so cool. It's a willing, willing Surrender from my authority to yours. In other words, I willingly surrender under your lordship, Jesus. I'm under you now. You're my king. You're my God. That's amazing to go from unbelief to that as the brother of the Messiah. If he can believe, I'm telling you, that's reason enough to believe. Come on, somebody. It's, it's amazing. But that's what he requires of us is a willing falling under. So being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. But then this is a hard one. It, it is, is what an actual relationship with Jesus does is it forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are. Why? Because God is interested in your heart, in your life. And so what that means is not that we should be writing people on the wall and praying for their salvation, praying for their souls. We should absolutely call people out all the time. God, use me or use somebody to reach my brother, my sister, my family, whoever it is that got my neighbor, whoever it is. But when I focus on what they're not doing and I forget all about me, then I'm the problem. Did you hear me? I'm the problem. If all I ever do is focus on how awful you are, then I've forgotten the biggest sinner that I know. You say, what do you mean? You're the biggest sinner you know? I absolutely am. No matter how much I find out about somebody else, y'all listen, please. I will never find out enough sin about you that can supersede how much I know me. And if I just push all that to the side and say, God, I want you to change me, then in those times of frustration, I bring them up and I get angry. But the reality is... I'm just trying to mask it and get behind it and I hate it. 
but I'm the one that keeps change from happening when I start focusing on you. When it comes to the need for change in this room, I'll lead the way. Because I need Jesus. Because this heart is deceived without Jesus. And whenever I just use Jesus to try to get what I want, but I don't remember how much he loved me first, then I miss the whole point. And I use Christianity just like every other religion in the world uses their religion to try to get something, to try to accomplish something, and not to walk in a love relationship with him, which is what I close with. The reality, this is the final thing, is a relationship invitation. This thing that we're talking about today, this kick off the change that Jesus offers changes me as a result because of love. I, and, and this is where I would argue we get it wrong. I, I, I think we say things like, I need to change because. But I change because of or as a result of. And, and I finish with this verse John 14, 15. How you read this defines where you are or determines where you are. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If y'all are like me, you heard so many times, you're not keeping his commandments enough, you must not love him. But that's not what Jesus was implying when he said this. What he was actually implying, and if you read the structure of the sentence, especially in the original language, it, it implies if you love me, pump the brakes on how much you're focused on you. You'll keep my commandments. The emphasis is on love me not keep my commandments so if I focus on my energy on keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it I gotta do more, gotta do more, gotta do more, gotta do more the cycle is endless I never get on the good list I'm on the naughty list because I, one thing can make me feel rotten in my core and what we need more of is not telling God how sorry we are when we get caught what we need more of is to come back with love because I'm going to preach this in the series, but repentance is not what we thought it was growing up. Repentance literally means, in the definition, change having been with. It's metaneo, where we get the word metamorphosis from, that a caterpillar can turn into a butterfly after the change happens. And that's what happens with this stony cold heart, that that he melts into a heart of flesh. And so that anger that's up inside of you that you felt for days toward your spouse and you don't know why you feel it and you're frustrated and you just want to throw your hands up and say, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't know what's wrong with me. Trying hard is not going to change it. And what I need everybody to realize in here, even if you didn't love this message, is the point of all of this is that change isn't going to happen because you try. Change is going to happen when you realize he loves you just as much today on the day that you're embarrassed and the day that you hated yourself. And if anybody found out the truth about what you did or who you were, then you'd hide. You'd take down all your social media. you make sure no one ever found out he loved you just as much that day. There's not a day that goes by that his love for you changes because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he He deeply loves you. This is his request. Just say, I love you back. And it reminds me of Leah and I. Because if you're married or you've ever been married in this room, there's rules, right? There's rules for marriage. Even if we don't have them on the wall or whatever, there's these things. Some of them are unwritten. Some of them are written. Some of them are Bible. Some of them are just ideas that we've come up with. There's things we should do. Before you leave, I want you to say bye. I want you to pray with us. I want you to kiss me. I want you to say this. I want you to text me at least one time. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to. And we have them. It's not, those aren't bad things. It's until we start holding up. Leah, 
today, here's what you did wrong. Because, because what will happen is I'll wake up tomorrow morning and I'll think to myself, all right, I got 77 rules that I got to follow in my relationship with Leah. Right? She's got 10. <laughs> Y'all will get it later. But listen, no matter if, I'm joking, but no matter if it's 10, 77, or 2,000, no matter how many things that I got to keep up with, if, that, if my motivation is to not screw it up, how many of y'all know that relationship would be ridiculous? And here's the truth about us. If there are 77, I don't know why, I'm doing it bad all the time. I mean, like, Blaney, you're, you're on the front row. Do I not have to have interventions with the family regularly and say, Daddy said something he shouldn't have? This makes me really proud. I'm a super dad. Daddy lost his temper. Daddy said something. Daddy did. And I, we just own it. And we're honest and we pray and I apologize. And it's not every single day, but it, it, it's, it's consistent. And then the one thing I try to tell them is, your daddy is a flawed man. But we serve a daddy that's not. And I just want you to know that. And then with Leah, I'm honest with her. Hey, we don't have rules, but this was tough. Like I, I'm sorry for this. This mess with my relationship. But watch this. It's only because our relationship is rooted and grounded and based on love that those begin to grow closer and closer. And the more I don't focus on the rules, but I focus on her and our love relationship, the better it gets. And I find myself, watch this. I'm telling you before God, I find myself deeply desiring not to break the marriage covenants or the unwritten rules. But if I focus on those, I'm more apt to break them than I ever was before. And it's the same thing with God. He's called you to be the bride of Christ collectively. And it's a love relationship that he's calling you to. But if I focus all my energy on wanting to change or wanting this or wanting this or wanting this, then, then I'll eventually get to the point that I look and say, I saw these rules that I thought you'd do because I'm claiming the promises of God. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I'm quoting scripture. I'm doing these things, but they're not quite looking like what I thought. So my trust starts breaking down. And all of a sudden, instead of have, having a bridge between my heart and him in the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I begin to let sin creep in. I begin to let my heart be filled with stuff. And I go, I don't know how I got here. I got here because I put lists and rules in a love relationship that can only work that way because he loved you first enough because he thought you were worthy to die for you. And the reason I started with this is because one, I thought the Lord told me to, and two, I don't think we can get the whole concepts and principles of change if it's not rooted in love. And I just wanted to invite y'all to walk with him. I want you to picture yourself as Matthew today because none of us are tax collectors, especially in that context, but all of us have just as deep a need and it should blow our minds that Jesus would say, come on, kid, come, come. I want, I want you, I love you, come. And once we start realizing that, everything changes. I'm gonna tell y'all, I had a moment this week that I just cried at my house and just threw my hands up and said, I'm so thankful for you. Because no matter if anything else good ever happens to me, that I deem good, you love me and that's enough and I love you back and when I give him all of me there is no limit to what God will do he just wants you to come so God 
My prayer today is that as we sing Every Victory, which is one of my new favorite songs, that you'll just begin to stir hearts, change mindsets, change lives in this room, and that the result of us being with you is the establishment or the start of a love relationship. Because God, you'll change us exactly like you desire. But I don't think it's ever been your desire that we focus on all the bad and all the crud because that is not what you model. So Lord, we just tell you we love you back. And we lift our hands in victory because we don't have victory because we're better. We have victory because you're able, because you have, because you've already won. And we walk under your lordship. Just like James, your brother said, the bond servant, sacrificially saying, I don't need to be in the lead. I want to be under you, Lord. You're the king. You're worthy of all of our praise. And we raise the banner of victory in Jesus' name in this room. Amen. Y'all stand and let's sing loud in victory.